welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we are going to be doing a first ever two-parter of something, but it's it's not going to be annoying. It's not going to be an episode where like we cut off in the middle and then, you know, the second part of it is like the rest of the episode. Basically, I had this idea and I wanted to cover the movie Transformers. And to be honest, I could really give two fucks about the movie. If anything, I had to rewatch it because it had been so long since I had seen Transformers. But I wanted an excuse to talk about Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, and wouldn't you know it, they're both the stars in this movie. And I also want to talk about the director, Michael Bay. Because we've talked, I feel like, you know, you know who the quote-unquote, to use, you know, Troy's lingo from Beyond the Blinds, you know who's rotted, right? You know the, the Jared Leto's and the Kevin Spacey's and the actors and things like that. But a lot of the times, as we found out with Harvey Weinstein, a lot of these kind of like screwed up people are behind the scenes and they're directors and they're producers and they're, um, I don't know, like casting agents, right? Doing all of these crazy things. So I was going to have the whole episode be on Transformers. We were going to talk about Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox, Michael Bay. And then I was listening to a podcast I love called X Knows All. Christy is the girl who does it. And she did an episode all about Shia LaBeouf. Let me tell you, you have to go listen to it. I listened to that while I was out on a walk and my mouth was like open the entire walk. So I was like, I have to have her come on for when we talk about Shia LaBeouf. And we spoke for so long that like the entire thing is over an hour. So this week we're going to be doing Shia LaBeouf from Transformers. And then the next episode we're going to do is going to be a little bit more about Transformers, the movie, and Megan Fox and Michael Bay's relationship. Because not to give some stuff away, but in the blind items, let's just say Megan Fox and Michael Bay keep going back and forth in the blind items. So they're kind of like a pair there. And I thought they would be good for their own episode. Now, we are going to get on to Shia LaBeouf. You probably know him from Even Stevens or Transformers or um, Holes. I think Holes was like where I first heard of Shia LaBeouf. And while, of course, we talk about his blind items, it is the nature of the podcast here. We also talk a lot about just how he grew up in his entire life. When I say this, you're going to think that I'm joking he clowned. He was like a kid who was a clown and there's so much abuse and trauma in his childhood. And I think it really ties in to, you know, who he became today and the relationships that he has with women. Do you like that? I'm trying to say women correctly on this podcast now. And there's also all these interesting people that pop in. You know, he's been in Sia's music video. Kanye West um, is like obsessed with Shia LaBeouf. I'm not sure if you knew that. So we're going to dive all into this like messy Gemini man today. And different celebrities, FKA Twigs, of course, pops up. Um, Mark Wright Quayley. And yeah, and then next week we will get a little bit sexier, a little bit raunchier, a little bit even more rotted. And we'll be doing Megan Fox and Michael Bay. So without further ado, let's take on the man that is Shia LaBeouf. All right. Welcome to the Fluently Forward podcast. Today we have Christy, aka X Knows All, on from her podcast. Thank you so much for being on here. I am so excited to be here, Shannon. Like, (laughs) it's truly a dream. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you on because I was 
taking a walk on the West Side Highway the other day, and I was listening to your latest podcast episode about Shia LaBeouf. And I thought that I knew a little bit about him. Like, I knew about his controversy with FKA Twigs. I knew that there was some kind of drama when he was in Sia's music video. But you walked through his entire life and childhood, and you said that you had been a fan of him for a while. And I'm curious, what, like, first drew you to Shia LaBeouf? So I'm a early 90s baby. So I grew up on Lizzie McGuire and Even Stevens. Mm. I wasn't even a fan of Hannah Montana or High School Musical because I think I had aged out of the Disney Channel by that point. So I was a diehard, like early decom kind of gal. And I always thought he was goofy and funny, but truly when he was on Disturbia, that changed it for me. Like, I feel like that was his first breakout role. And I just thought he was everything of the sort. I thought he was so cute. And he just had that star power. And I can't really figure out like exactly what it was. Maybe it was a hybrid of him being super funny. And he was also super talented on the silver screen as well. So I just was drawn to him. And then, of course, right after Disturbia, it's like he was being casted in every huge film thereafter, like Transformers, you know, Eagle Eye, Indiana Jones. So I just, I was always intrigued by him. And I think I got a little bit more interested after watching Honey Boy, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's... That's he, the one with FKA direct, Twigs, right? Yes, that's how you met FKA Twigs. And he direct... I think he directed and produced it or wrote it. or He has some heavy involvement in like the production of the film. And it's about his upbringing. And it's fascinating because it's based on a true story, his whole life event. And he plays his father in the role. And that's when I realized like, oh, he's had a very dark life. And so I wanted to dig deeper. And that was the kind of predecessor for my podcast. Yeah. And you you know that phrase where they're like, hurt people, hurt people. I feel like we forget about that so often because, you know, there's there's so many times where it's like, it doesn't really matter how Ted Bundy grew up. Like what matters is like the women that he murdered. Um, and I think a lot of people think of that too when they see headlines and we'll get all into Shia LaBeouf's abuse and how he treats women. But his childhood, listening to your podcast episode, and we'll go more into it here, it's so fucked up. So let's kind of get into it. So like you said, he blew up on the Disney Channel shows, Even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire. He was also in Holes. Did you watch the movie Holes? Of course. Of course. What was the name of that like drink, like the sploosh that they would drink? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. I just remember <laughs> it was a huge book when we were younger, right? And then it turned into, yes. it was adapted into a film. It was one of those books that, like, everyone – which is always so funny that, like, schools across the country all kind of have to read the same, like, 20 books. And then they yeah. made it into that movie. And Sigourney Weaver, I remember, was, like, the girl who made the guys dig all of these holes. Of yeah. course, then he was in Transformers. And like you mentioned, he's really – some actors are celebrities, right? Like, you can tell – Let's say, for example, Selena Gomez, somebody hands her a song and she sings it, and that's probably her involvement with being an artist. Some actors and actresses just act and that's it. Shia LaBeouf really is, like, he's in those indie projects. He's in things you wouldn't expect. He's directing. He really likes to get into all parts of it. He was in a smaller movie. Did you ever watch Nymphomaniac? Nymphomaniac. I knew you were, were going to say that. Um, <laughs> no, I I feel like as much of a like Shia stan that I am, I don't really watch his indie films besides Peanut Butter Falcon and Honey Boy. But I know mm. that for Nymphomaniac, I think, oh, well, I read that he did like a sex tape for his audition. 
Yeah, like that that was a movie. It's on Netflix and there's actual sex scenes in it. And I remember because I was such like a horny little kid at one point that I was too scared to look up porn, but I had a Netflix account on my laptop. So one night, this is like so cringe, I went, I literally was typing into the search bar like sex, sexy. And I was looking up anything that Netflix could show me and Nymphomaniac came out and I watched the whole movie with Shia LaBeouf and like they be fucking in that movie. Like, you see his erect penis, you see his soft penis, you probably see his penis in a state of halfway. Like, they really got out there. He's naked in a lot of things. So it's not like CGI penises like Euphoria. It's like the real deal. It is not a CGI penis. It's a, it's as <laughs> real as it could be. And if you Google... Who's sh- in it? Um, well, one of the girls in it was Mia Goth, who he was briefly married to, but the main girl was like some brunette, almost like Dakota Johnson kind of lookalike. And she was so skinny too. I just remember in all of the sex scenes, she was like this very tall, willowy woman. And that's what I remember Stacey from Martin. Nymphomaniac. What's her name? Stacey Martin. Stacey, Stacey Martin, Martin is her name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I only know of her from Nymphomaniac. So, okay. So let's get into his childhood. He was born in LA, June 11th. He is a male Gemini, which I feel like makes so much fucking sense. Uh, He was the only child to a mother and father. His mother is a visual artist, jewelry designer, and former dancer. And his father is a Vietnam War vet. And I remember hearing this on your podcast. He's a former professional clown. Mm -hmm. He used to, Shia and him used to like sell like hot dogs on like the side of LA highways and they would be dressed up like, you know, son and father in these costumes. I mean, these clown costumes. I could not fathom... I don't know. Having a father as a clown and dressing up as a clown, to me, that's almost kind of like this weird, twisted, like, horror character that you're, like, being exposed to on the daily. Although I guess kids do like clowns. I find them terrifying. It's a little it adjacent. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's slightly sadistic, and I can't really put my finger on as to why. But I think if you – maybe if you really think about it, perhaps his kind of ability to transform into, like, another character kind of was incepted yes. when he was – really young, like playing dress up with his father and having to be in these like, quite frankly, uncomfortable situations. Like, I mean, just like an underprivileged like life, frankly, you're on like the highway of LA selling hot dogs in a clown costume. There's nothing like more humbling than that. I mean, Mm -hmm. he came from very, very humble beginnings. And that's, I think, I mean, I talked about in my podcast about how his whole family was so poor that all they cared about was, was money. So it's, you know, this is their way of making money. And of course, now he's like, you know, a, a plus star. It's, yeah. it's weird coming from humble beginnings and then being where you were at before. And you're so right. That idea too of like, even as a kid, like when situations are dire, you put on a suit and you perform for people. Like that is what a clown is. Like that is kind of what an actor is. So he's spoken about his parents. You mentioned the movie that he did about his father. He's described his father as, quote, tough as nails in a different breed of man. He's spoken a lot about the verbal and mental abuse that he suffered from at the hands of his father, saying that his father was on drugs. He had to go to rehab for a heroin addiction. He was physically abusive. And at age 10, Shia LaBeouf started performing stand-up at comedy clubs, and he said that what made him really good at this was having a disgustingly dirty mouth on a 10-year-old kid. And 
first of all, it's one thing to like have to perform stand up comedy to make money for your family at age 10. But like what type of comedy club is letting a 10 year old 10 is young, 10 is elementary school. I, I like, I, I think it's because he grew up in LA and maybe it's more common for young kids to do this. I mean, I can't remember or recall any comedy club I've ever stepped into where there's a 10 year old performing, but I'm think like Amanda Bynes, she was also doing that. Cause she grew up in thousand Oaks, which is a suburb like North of LA. Yeah. It, maybe it's more common, but I read on when I was doing my research that he was performing in comedy clubs in Pasadena. I'd be curious, like, are they still allowing minors to do that? It's very bizarre. Yeah, because you would think like, oh, is this some sort of like kids bop, kids got talent comedy thing? But then he's talking about how his comedy had – he had such a filthy mouth and that's what made it so good. So I'm like, then maybe it wasn't G-rated comedy. But anyway, so he starts doing that. He gets um, – he got a manager through the Yellow Pages um, after he had pretended to be his own manager for a little bit. And then he started acting and – he said that he did it because he wanted to be an actor, but the initial reason why he pursued it is because his family was broke. And I think that's just, I can't even imagine the mental load that you go through. And there's a lot of child actors. I was going to say Disney kids, but I'm thinking of Jeanette McCurdy and like she's on Nick, but Bella Thorne, I know that when she was a child star, like she definitely had talks from her mom being like, if you don't take this role, we don't eat this month. And like that must fuck, that must fuck a kid up beyond repair. Yeah, the the one celebrity I can think of that's probably felt it well that I know about the most that felt something like that. All this pressure from their family is Britney Spears. Like her family was quite literally on welfare, on food stamps. Her father, we all know today, was a raging alcoholic. Like they were truly relying on her to put money, to put food on the table, which is why she had such a, a hustle and a drive at such a young age. I think Shy almost had that same that same hustle and drive, and I think you can juxtapose that with celebrities like Amanda Bynes, like coming from Thousand Oaks, that's a very wealthy, affluent neighborhood in LA. And I know her daughter, I mean, her father was a dentist. So you have these, it's kind of like two types of child stars, right? You have Amanda Bynes who comes, assumably from money. Her parents had like very well-paid vacations, but at the same time, I think she really actually loved comedy and she wanted to pursue it because that was her passion. Whereas I think with Shy, it's a little bit of a hybrid of both where it was like a necessity in order for his family to for, to provide for his family. Also, it could also have been a passion for him as well. Yeah. People talk with um, younger stars saying like, okay, people who you know, got famous at this young age, you're frozen um, mentally and emotionally at the time you got famous. And that's pe people are like, that's why Justin Bieber acts like such a 13 year old. And that's why Taylor Swift acts like a 16 year old, you know, high school girl. Um, but that's, you know, that's traumatizing, obviously. But then imagine like you can't even freeze at the age that you got famous because you did not have a childhood, you know? So it's not like you're frozen at age 13. It's like you never got to experience I don't know. I think at least Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift, they at least had elementary school to themselves. And if you're doing stand-up at age 10, like you don't even really get to have that, which I think is crazy. Right. And it's also, I must be really tough for the kid to go to, because he was attending regular school as well. And so when you're on this hit TV show where everyone and their mother is watching it, right? Like everyone watched Even Seasons, everyone watched Lizzie McGuire. Like that must be hard developmentally for a child as well. I mean, I, I feel like the child stars, the reason why they're so fucked up is because there's so much development that goes on between like truly since infancy through maybe like, I'd say middle school is when you probably experience a lot of trauma that you're not necessarily aware of how to unpack that or emotionally support yourself in those moments. And here are these 
young child stars are in a room full of adults. Like the only other kids around them are the, those that are on the show alongside them. But it's like they don't have the tools to self-soothe, to emotionally support themselves. So it's no wonder that, you know, they end up so fucked up. Not to mention those adults are probably like actively harming. You know what I mean? Like if you're a kid and you're like, okay, like I'm going to talk to the adult, maybe they'll help me. If an adult actually cared about like Shia LaBeouf or like Miley Cyrus coming to them, the advice they would give them would be, hey, stop doing this and get out of Hollywood. But that advice would mean that they don't have a job anymore. So they're like, I think about that all the time when people talk about Demi Lovato and all of the people around them and uh, Demi's struggle with drugs. And I just think, I, th- I think Demi said it in their own documentary too, who was going to say no to me. I I paid everyone's um, check at the end of the month. So I think that's crazy too. So you feel, mm-hmm. feel responsible for these people, for these people's jobs, for their ability to put food on their families tables. This is a little bit of a side note, but I remember when Selena Gomez went to rehab, I think in 2014, she was going on her revival tour uh, it was like her sophomore album, like when she had left Selena Gomez in the scene. And she said it was such a hard decision for her to have left uh, the concert. Because she was like mid-tour, right? And she was like, mm-hmm. I have a problem. I need to go. But she had so much pressure. And she felt so much pressure to be like, I'm putting food on these families' tables. I need to provide for everyone. Everything is resting on my shoulders. Therefore, I'm not going to take care of her myself. Therefore, I mean, ultimately, she did. And she went to rehab. A whole different story. But imagine the pressure at such a young age. It's unfathomable. And I don't envy it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I know. For me, I'm like, I'm like, oh, if I don't go to work, like one newsletter doesn't get sent. Like it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> so, like you feel uh, like it is even in our corporate jobs. You're like, oh God, I need to go. I exactly. To go to which is crazy. So uh, traveling along Shia's like path growing up, he's also listed as a performance artist and he does do a lot of things like that. I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a controversy. Um, he went to the Berlin Film Festival in 2014 and there's photos of him on the red carpet wearing a brown paper bag over his head with the words, I am not famous anymore. That was written on it. Vaguely remember that. And I think like he also pops up too. He was doing – this was during COVID and this honestly like for as horrible of a person as Shia I think is and the things that he has done. Like he does get the laughs and there was that table read. Do you remember during COVID where like Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts and um, John Legend like everyone was in the Zoom corner and Shia was like method acting saying his part of the table read but he was doing the Zoom from his car smoking a J with his shirt off and sunglasses on. That guy's been stoned since the third grade. Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, registered for this class here. What class? This class is U.S. history. It's the globe right there. It's planet history. It's a space class. Really? Yeah, I'm in this class. Can I enter the space? I mean, can I, uh, can I be, I'm in this class. Do you remember that? Of, of course I do. <laughs> Funny enough, actually, I was, my friend was running the L.A. Marathon a couple months ago when she met him. He was, like, running around asking people for a cowbell. He said he was really nice. <laughs> I was looking up videos of Shia LaBeouf too on TikTok and there was this one guy who was walking down the sidewalk with a bunch of hats on and Shia stops him and he's like, why are you wearing all those hats? And I just feel like he pops up. You know how Bill Murray always has these like crazy fan interactions? I just feel like that would happen with him. Oh, yeah. And I think he's he's like a normal person. I feel like he's he's not he doesn't care about like the star power, the glitz and glamour, the nice things. He's just like a normal guy who has money, who's famous. Yes. 
Yes. So let's talk about some of his romance. He was briefly married. So he met Mia Goth, uh, his co-star in that movie, Nymphomaniac, in 2012. And it seemed like in 2016 that they got married in Vegas, one of those Elvis weddings. And then they found out that that was just a commitment ceremony. But then a month later, they did get married. Um, And then in 2018, two years later, it was announced that they had separated and filed for divorce. And then four years later, in February 2022, it was reported that she was pregnant with her first child with him. So four years after they got divorced. Did she abort the baby? No, I think think they have it. Wait, I had no idea he was a father. To be quite honest, I didn't know he had married Mia Goth. I know that they are. She might still be pregnant right now. Let's see. Because I know that she was pregnant. Yeah. I mean, I see a stroller and the two of them walking. So I guess she recently gave birth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they found out that she was pregnant in February of this year. And I guess she recently gave birth afterwards because the first photo that they saw of her pregnant, she she looked like she was pretty far along. So there's the hat. Um, he also dated FKA Twigs for a little under a year. And we're definitely going to have to talk about their relationship. He also dated Margaret Qualey in 2022. And they were both her sister is like this really cool artist and she had Shia and Margaret in a music video love me like you hate me have you seen this music video I haven't do I need to it's okay the next day that it rains light up get high and watch this music video that he's in because I will say like I don't even know I'm not qualified to say if someone is a good actor or a good actress, but I feel like I can say that Shia LaBeouf is a pretty fucking good actor. And this music video, like it felt, it gave me the emotions like I watched a movie. I'll I'll post it on Instagram this week, but it was just a really good music video. And like, I think he's also naked in the half of it again. (laughs) Okay, well then I'll have to watch it. Say no more. And um, Margaret did end her relationship with him after FKA Twigs spoke out against the abuse that she suffered from Shia, and she said that she supported and agreed with FKA Twigs. We, you know, it's it's bad when when it, it's 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 hard, right? Because when people of domestic violence come out, sometimes they're said to be people that are seeking attention, that they're just making up these stories, but. What a defining moment for FK Twigs to have come out with such a story about the abuse and harm that she suffered at the hands of Shia LaBeouf. And then for Margaret Qualley to be like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about and I stand with you. And I think she broke up with him after, yeah, the FKA Twigs allegations came out. And it's like, as women, we must support women, as what Ramona Singer says. We must mm. support each other. And I'm just, you love to see it. And I think Sia, we'll, we'll talk about this later too, but I think Sia also came out too and was like, Yes, I stand with FKA Twigs, and I have my own story with Shia. Is it Shia? Yeah, Shia. For a second, I was like, mm-hmm. Shia? No, that's Sia yeah. and Shia. <laughs> okay, and then before we get into his abuse, just to preface it, he has had legal issues. There have been three different times that he has been charged with crimes. One was in 2014. He was charged with disorderly conduct, harassment, and criminal trespass. Then in 2017, he was arrested in Georgia for public intoxication, disorderly conduct, and obstruction. And that was also a moment where he was making very, it says, profanity-laced racial remarks towards a police officer during this arrest. And I think he was arrested by a black police officer. And I think he was just saying some, like, absolutely insane racial stuff, too. Which, like, to me, that's also kind of fucked up because I think 
this happens with a bunch of actors or actresses too. And it's like, when they were drunk, they were saying these racial things. And to me, I'm just like, well, when you get drunk, it doesn't make you, do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think that's, yeah. Yeah. A drunk mind speaks sober thoughts. It's like when um, Morgan Wallen was like hammered and saying the N word, like, left and right and center and caught yeah. on video saying yeah. it's like, well, you probably use the N word in your everyday repertoire. Yes. Morgan yes. Wallen from Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. The the country singer, right? Yep. Yeah. And then um, most recently, September 2020, he was charged with misdemeanor, battery, and petty theft. And then he had to go into a program in May 2021. So he's been in and out of different programs for drug abuse, for alcohol, and also for anger issues. But the weird thing is, and we'll talk about this when we talk about his abuse with his relationships, you know, he goes into a program, but then two years later, he's in the news for doing something again. Yeah, it's. I think when I was researching for my episode, I watched a few YouTube clips of him kind of recounting his experience being arrested. So the first, I think it's about the Walgreens incident with the black police officer. He can spin the story in such a way where it's almost comical and funny and humorous. Mm. And he gets people to kind of play along. Every time he gets arrested, it's like he's able to recount the story on some like late night show and get people to laugh alongside him. And then he can do it all over again. And then we're kind of like chalking it up to, oh, well, that's just Shia. Because I remember when he was talking about the Walgreens incident, he said he was so fucked up. He got really hammered. He went to his hotel room. He realized that he didn't have cigarettes in his hotel room. He went downstairs to Walgreens, then realized, oh, I actually have a zit on my face. I'm going to get some pimple cream. He gets the pimple cream, goes back up to his hotel room only to realize, oh my God, I forgot the cigarettes. Goes back down to the Walgreens to try and get the cigarettes. And I guess this the black police officer was like looking him up and down because he was clearly intoxicated and he's just staring at Shia. And I guess Shia was upset that he kept giving him this look. So he starts engaging with this police officer, screaming and yelling at him, causing a scene. And the way in which he talks about this on this light late night show, it's I'm like dying laughing because it's just, it's funny the way he's talking about it. But if you think about it, you're like, what a menace. Like I would be so annoyed if I were out late night at a Walgreens and some guy was just like arguing with the police officers, just it's it's not right. And then if you think about when he got arrested, I think he was at Broadway at a Broadway show and or cabaret show and in New York City, and he was screaming profanity for profanities in the middle of the show, like disturbing the peace of like onlookers and everything. And then of course, again, he recounts the story on a late night show, and everyone's laughing alongside him. It's like think about if Lindsay Lohan had done that, right? Like people are so against her, but when it's shy, it's so funny. And he's just so clever and witty and he just gets drunk and like, oh, silly him. And it's also like a man is allowed to be an aggressive drunk and that's expected. I don't know. Also, I will, not to say that all of this is like a man issue, but I do find it funny that like, I don't know. I just think if I was hammered and I went into a Walgreens and a police officer was like staring at me and it made me feel uncomfortable, my my first instinct is I would leave. And I feel like that's a very female instinct. But for, to be like, oh, you know what? Why don't I go up to that person and like yell at them? And there's all of these different moments throughout Shia's uh, childhood and allegations where like his very first emotion is aggression. And that's what drives me crazy when people are like, women are the more emotional of the sexes. I'm like, not if you count aggression as an emotion, which it is and like leads to crime, you know? Right. Anger is a primary emotion. I think beneath all that is just deep seated emotional trauma. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about these abuse allegations. So 
In December 2020, he was sued by FKA Twigs. And it's interesting, too, because she has said before in interviews that she wanted to talk about her experience with Shia as people were going into lockdown because there were so many people, you know, dealing with their own domestic relationships and she wanted to speak out for them. Singer-songwriter FKA Twigs is speaking out to us in her first TV interview since filing a lawsuit against her former boyfriend, that's actor Shia LaBeouf. She says that their relationship was filled with verbal, emotional, and physical abuse. In December, she filed a civil suit against him, accusing him of sexual battery, assault, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Shia LaBeouf's lawyer says he denies every allegation in this lawsuit. Twiggs told us she wanted to share her story to help others spot early signs of abuse, and most important, to let survivors know they are not alone. I was always told that you know, I was special and, and to look after my heart and to look after the light inside my chest. And when I was with Shia, that light got blown out and I just didn't think that that could happen. But I will say it's interesting because, at least for me, lockdown happened in March 2020 and she sued him in December 2020. But maybe she wanted to be quiet about the suing and then wait until, you know, seeing people in lockdown wanted her or encouraged her to speak out more about it. But she sued yeah. him for sexual battery, assault, and infliction of emotional distress. And the, okay, we'll talk about what Shia did to her, but even just the way that she is speaking about this relationship and the phrases and just how she's describing it, you could not doubt anything she's saying for a second. To me, like when I read her quotes, it is just so, she describes an abusive relationship in just like such a, I don't know, just such a way where you can tell that she's really been through it. Not that other people's quotes would, you know, be misleading or lying, but I think especially with Amber Heard, the situation right now, there's so many people being like, well, I've been in an abusive relationship and it doesn't sound like that, or she's trying too hard to make it seem exactly like that. And um, I think people get caught up in like trying to pinpoint if someone's lying about something like this. The way FKA Twigs describes it, it's just, it's, uh, it just really strikes to the heart. Yeah, it's, the details that she presented, like uh, a few of when they were like on vacation in Palm Springs, how he threw her to the floor, like in either in the hotel lobby or in their room, he would like, they would be driving and he would start driving like a hundred miles an hour just to freak her out and tell her and threaten, Hey, I'm going to ran this car, this hundred mile per hour speeding car into a wall and it's going to kill us both. Like it, yeah, you can tell that she's really that she's really been through it. And again, like just to have all these other survivors come out and say, I stand with you, I can totally see this, or this happened to me. I mean, he's as for as talented as he is and like what an icon he was, like he's equally as much of a monster, in my opinion. But at the same time, actually not a but I hate using that word, but like, and at the same time, he had such a horrendous and traumatic upbringing, you kind of understand why he is the way that it is. Not that it's an excuse at all. It's more of like, wow, he's really inflicting the pain that he was uh, inflicted on by his father. Totally. I mean, Im imagine if your father is abusive to you growing up and your father's supposed to love you. I, I imagine it must get ingrained in you somewhere where you go, oh, abuse is love. Literally every single woman that we spoke about, Mia Goth, he was caught in public threatening her and being verbally abusive. Sia spoke out against him saying, quote, I too have been hurt emotionally by Shia. Oh my God, their names are going to confuse me. A pathological liar who conned me into an adulterous relationship claiming to be single. 
which I will say, we can talk about this later. If there's one thing about Shia LaBeouf, it's that his pheromones must be fucking stinky because every woman is into him despite like all of the controversy. So Sia said that about him. She also said about him, I believe he's very sick and I have compassion for him and his victims. Just know if you love yourself, stay safe and stay away, which is very interesting. And this is how FKA Twigs describes the relationship. She says, quote, it's a miracle I came out alive. She says, if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, that frog is going to jump out straight away. But if you put a frog in cool water and you heat it up slowly, the frog is going to boil to death. And that was my experience being with Shia LaBeouf. You mentioned the different moments. So basically, a lot of the physical abuse happened over Valentine's Day uh, weekend in 2019. They went to a hotel spa. She was drifting off to sleep in the hotel, and she woke up to find him on top of her, squeezing her arms, putting his hands around her neck, and beginning to strangle her. And once again, it's like you said, it's this fucked up verbal abuse. He was whispering, if you don't, uh, he whispered, if you don't stop, you're going to lose me. And it was always this constant, like both one, two of physical and emotional, um, abuse. And like you said, that incident happened in the car where they're in the car and he starts speeding and swerving into traffic, um, and saying all of these things. Hold on. What was he saying to her? Yeah. Just the same things of you're, you're going to lose me. You're going to lose me. How could you do this? Just like absolutely insane. And FKA Twigs is talking about how when the car was driving, she was just thinking, can I get out of it? Do I cover my face when I roll out of this? Uh, do I wait until we go around a corner and then jump out of the car? So imagine being in that scenario. And it's almost giving me a little bit of like Rihanna and Chris Brown flashbacks where like you have an abusive partner driving the car completely out of control. And you're thinking, how do I jump out of this vehicle? When have you ever had to think that in your life? I haven't. You're you're hedging your bets between like what is a less like horrible way to die by literally jumping out of an hundred mile per hour vehicle or getting strangled to death by my partner. Yeah. It's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And then also, um, this was also in the lawsuit too. She's that Shia LaBeouf used, he purposely, uh, gave her an STD and he would use makeup to cover up the symptoms of his STD. And then she also said that she had learned that he had also infected at least one other woman prior to her and had once again used makeup to conceal his condition. And I always think that's fucked up too, because not that one thing is more fucked up than the other, but there are moments of abuse where it's like in a snap moment, you make a call or you say something nasty or you do something horrific, but like taking makeup up, using it to conceal, purposefully lying. There's a little bit of just more like treachery, I think, involved in that. They're both horrible, but I, one is just so purposeful. There is intentionality behind like knowing you're having a herpes outbreak. And well, I guess some people that do have herpes, you could not know and, and, and you know, pass it on to your partner unbeknownst to you. But yeah, there's some kind of sadistic intentionality behind hiding it with makeup. Like you're a sick man to do that. Yeah. And because here's the thing, you could hide something like that just by being like, you know, I'm not in the mood for sex right now. Or you know what I mean? There's a, there's a way to hide something. You know, when people say the difference between a lie and a truth, you don't have to reveal every single thing about yourself to a partner, but you can never lie in a way that would purposely harm them or put them at risk. Like that's messed up. Now, something else that um, she said in this lawsuit, have you heard the allegations that he's such a method actor and that he would drive around LA shooting straight? dogs dead to get in character for an acting role he had okay that is 
the most vile thing I've ever heard in my life. There is no excuse for animal abuse. There is a certain kind of person that inflicts violence onto animals and I will have, I have zero tolerance for people like that. I didn't know that. And that Nick actually makes me sick to my stomach. Especially to doing it with the excuse of, oh, I was method acting. It's like, okay, well then no one better. What if somebody assigns you the role of a murderer? We all have to like lock our doors and fear that you're going to go method acting. Like there's, there's a limit to method acting. Um, And I just feel like that's about embodying the person, not – you saw Jared Leto do that too. It's like somebody gets assigned a role and they're like, awesome, what's the most fucked up thing my character did so that way now I can do it, get out of jail free? Yeah, I'm trying to think about like if I did play a really sick, sadistic character, character, if I were an actor, what is a good way to prepare for a role? Like and I guess maybe you like maybe a healthy way is lock yourself into a room, journal in the way that you think this person is going to be portrayed in real life. Like you don't need to actually go out and kill innocent, sweet little animals. That actually breaks my heart. Isn't that so fucked up? It's fucked up. That's fucked up. I don't. Also, like, it's not really method acting because like unless your actor was killing dogs, you know what I mean? Like there's a way if you want to be a killer. I don't know. Maybe like play a video game or something. That's what I would do. Thank you to this week's sponsor, which is Ana Luisa. They're this great brand. They make beautiful and sustainable jewelry. And by the way, if you're like, what what is sustainable jewelry? What does that mean? I know I was wondering that. It basically means that a lot of the processes that people do to get minerals to make jewelry are really damaging to the environment. Or I'm sure you've all heard of the concept of like blood diamonds and things like that. So Ana Luisa focuses on making sustainable jewelry. They incorporate recycled materials into the jewelry and also any diamonds that you see on their site are going to be lab grown. I have a couple of their earrings. I'm just going to shout out the names of them because I love them. Literally right now I am wearing the Toda earrings. They also have the Frida earrings that I love and the mini huggy hoops. Those are my favorites. It's just a great look. If you're going out and you don't want to try too hard, but you want to like add a little extra sparkle to your face. I love jewelry like this. It's very delicate, but it's not so delicate that you feel like you can only wear it for a special occasion. To me, it's like the perfect everyday jewelry. So you can go to shop.analuisa.com slash fluently forward or use my code fluently forward to get 10% off. I also have this linked in the show notes and up on Instagram if you want to go check it out. You know, despite all of these incidents, he he's going to be in an upcoming movie. He's going to be playing this Italian saint. And similar to method acting, Shia LaBeouf has been growing out his hair really long and posting these Instagram captions about like how his life has changed and being like very kind of faux religious because he's playing this upcoming Italian saint and that's going to be his newest movie. So um, cancel culture hasn't really gotten a hold of this one yet. I was actually, as you were speaking about like the cancel culture, does it exist? Does it not? I'm thinking about like you said, Chris Brown, obviously Shia LaBeouf, Ansel mm-hmm. Elgort, like yeah. all of these people that have had, like Ansel Elgort was uh, underage, like predator status, right? He was DMing girls on Snapchat and they were underage. I don't think they were even like 16 years old. And he got casted in West Side Story and that's like a pretty big hit, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you have Chris Brown. It's like literally no one remembers what happened back in whenever that happened, 2011. Well, not only do they not remember it, but I woke up Chris Breezy. You know what I mean? Just like they, it's just, and cancel culture, it's so funny. Cancel culture, 
I, I would say cancel culture does exist just in the sense of like, you know, hashtag Chris Brown is over party. Like once you have a hashtag for something, it's like you're kind of, it's kind of obvious that you're trying to cancel or at least, you know, get out news about somebody. But I would say maybe like impact culture doesn't exist or something like that. Or at least cancel culture doesn't exist if it has to deal with violence towards a woman. Like, like maybe with Harvey Weinstein, uh, it did its job even then. I mean, he was taken to jail in a private plane. He also was able to get his COVID vaccine before a lot of people in my life were able to get their COVID vaccine, like things like that. Um, but yeah, if you're a man and you abuse a woman, th there's going to be no problem for you to get work again. Meanwhile, justice for Ashley Simpson circa 2004 from SNL, who never recovered from that performance. Or Janet Jackson, who ha um, had her nipple exposed at the hands of Justin Timberlake. And that's all everybody could think about for her for the next like 10 years. I'm so glad she's finally somewhat getting justice. Like people are kind of starting to catch on to like the horridness that is Justin Timberlake and how problematic he always has been, but that everyone's given him a free pass because he's like a hot white male. Yeah. Interestingly enough, she told him, I forget what I read, but she basically told him, don't worry about it. Or like, I know that things are getting spun out of control. So like she forgave him before other people have, which is, I'll have to do an episode on uh, all of that one day, but yeah. Okay. So before we get into Shia's blinds, the last thing I want to mention is, did you know about the relationship between Kanye West and Shia LaBeouf? I'm sorry. Excuse me. I need to know. Is this a blind item or this is like legit? This is this is real life between what? two Gemini males. So Kanye West has been a big fan of Shia LaBeouf's fashion style for years. So he even has a lyric saying, I wish I dressed as fresh as Shia LaBeouf. And this is so funny. Back in 2016, um, Shia LaBeouf went to one of Kanye West's concerts and he was able to bring his mom backstage. And um, he says that she was obsessed with Kanye West and he was a fucking sweetheart to her. So then Kanye West went to Shia LaBeouf's house and he was like, can I like take some clothes from your closet? And Shia was like, okay, I guess that's fair because we went backstage. So he said, go for it, my guy. Take everything you want. And he did. He took all my fucking clothes. When was the last time Kanye raided your closet? Oh, man. I saw, <laughs> nah, he, he stopped doing that the last time. He, he, yeah, he's on his own time. thing. Yeah, he did do that. He took I mean, all your clothes? Yeah, he did. He, did he ever give it back? Nah, he was, he was doing like pop-up shows at the time. And, and I think he was, you know, he, he does what he does, you know. Man's busy. He's a good man. He's been good to me. And mm -hmm. I got nothing but love for him, actually. And he, he, did he come to the house and get the clothes? Yeah. Damn, I heard that. Yeah. Like, it, how, how much do you think he grabbed? Uh, probably like 70% of what I own. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's he, a lot of clothes to take. Me and him haven't really been in contact since he blew up on a stage and shit on me because there was a moment where Kanye West was like, fuck Shia LaBeouf. Um, I think so something happened with like Kid Cudi. Anyway, so there have been moments throughout the years where clothes that Shia LaBeouf has been out wearing are now in Kanye West's closet. And he's been wearing Shia LaBeouf's clothes for years. There was even all this speculation. There was this one like army hat that Kanye West kept wearing. And everyone was like, is that Shia LaBeouf's hat? Because they put together these interviews. And Kim Kardashian tweeted out, yes, Shia gave him the hat and it's his favorite hat, blah, blah, blah. So basically Kanye West like co-opted Shia LaBeouf's style. And that was what started him on his fashion journey and everything like that. And I think now they're friends again because um, he tried to have Shia LaBeouf work on a 2020 Yeezy with like Gap photo shoot, but Shia LaBeouf didn't show up. And then like Kanye West got mad at him again. <laughs> oh, I okay. At first when you said that, I thought you meant there was a romantic relationship between them. And I was like, 
I low-key could see it for Kanye. Not sure about Shia. Because I've heard, like, blind Ooh. items that Kanye is, you know, he he plays for the other team, plays for both teams, I should say. I haven't heard any blind items about Shia and other men. So that's why, like, that's why that reaction was so insane, like, two minutes uh, ago. Because yes, I thought yes, you were yes. insinuating there was a romantic relationship. Um, but there is a really funny Instagram to speak on his style called at Shia's Outfits. And I've been following it for years. And yeah, I feel like he was kind of like streetwear before streetwear, it kind of became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe there was, I mean, they both went into the closet. Who's to say they came out? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So let's get into some of the blind items because they're actually a little bit ridiculous. So this first one is... I think it just goes to say that Shia LaBeouf's pheromones are like probably 10 times stronger than the average person. This was about a blind with him and Harrison Ford's daughter, Georgia. And it says this young actor's career is skyrocketing, but maybe he's getting a little too bold. His powerful protector may not be too pleased with the fact that the young gun is getting along with his daughter very well. And allegedly Harrison Ford was like backing Shia LaBeouf in all of these movie roles. And Shia was like, by the way, I like will hit on your daughter every chance I get. I like again when he was in Disturbia. Like I feel like he was such a cutie. Like, I was obsessed with him, and he, I you could tell he fucks. You know what I mean? Like he be he has he has such confidence, but not not intimate. Like he doesn't look like Army Hammer. You know what I mean? He almost has that like approachable look. But then you're like, wait, this guy fucks, which makes you feel like you found a gem because like other people wouldn't notice him because he doesn't look like Brad Pitt. You know? Right. I feel like he would be a real freak. Yeah. yeah. One one million percent. And you know what they say? They're always like, crazy girls are so good in bed. Bitch, so are crazy guys. <laughs> Thousand percent. I mean, I think the crazier the guy, like, the more nuts they are, they're bringing that to the bedroom. One yes. million percent. Okay, so we have a lot of blinds about him and Mia Goth. She was the one that they have a child together and they were briefly married. Here's, here we have one. Uh, this new actor slash, or sorry, this actor slash new dad got blackout drunk this past weekend. Apparently things are not better with him. We also have another one saying, the last time that this actress ran away from her then boyfriend, after he beat her, he ran inside the house to get his gun, but she managed to get away. Then there was the time that he told everyone he wanted to kill her. In between, of course, he beat multiple girlfriends, but sure, go back to him and have his baby. Seems like a solid life choice. I will say, I don't like the tone of that blind being like, oh, wow, you chose to be in an abusive relationship with Shia. I think you can't just be like, oh, wow, you made a poor decision going back to him. What's the stat where it's like it takes seven different times to leave an abusive relationship before most women are able to actually leave one? But I I mean, these are all alleged, but like, I don't doubt Shia threatening people with guns. I feel like he's a step away from that already. No, there's a video of him when he was in Germany and he was hopping into a cab and he was with Mia Goth earlier that night. And he was seeing people were like, this is like a video that's available online. You can search it where she, they're arguing in front of this, like late at night, maybe a nightclub. And he hops into a cab post argument. And he's talking to the taxi driver who's videoing the entire thing. And he's, he says, quote, I could have killed her Yeah, in this video. Yeah. And then he's, he's all riled up and he's like, this is what, he said something to the effect of this is what makes someone abuse a woman is behavior like this. Shia LaBeouf's dramatic fight with girlfriend Mia Goth in Germany. E.T. has exclusively obtained video of the argument and of what Shia said after. I need to get to the airport. Airport. We can drive you. We drive you. We drive you. I don't want to touch a woman. No. I don't no. want to hit a woman. No. no. I'm getting pushed. 
Okay. You are great, man. Out, you are great. Hey, brother, we drive, we drive you to airport. Bless me, you yeah. I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be aggressive. This is the kind of that makes a person abusive. I just want my bag. Give his bag. Can I have my bag? Can I have my bag, please? No, I just, I just want my bag. I just want my bag. Give his bag. want his bag. I don't have no home. Why? This is my, this is my home. Well, it's here. Home. Oh, no, right. no, I gotta get out of here, bro. I gotta get out of here, bro. Yo, if I'd have stayed there, I'm, I, I would kill you. And then he proceeds to call Megan Fox via FaceTime and was like, hold on, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Megan. I'm gonna call Megan. And he tries to FaceTime her and she doesn't answer. But like, he was in a rage. And then the first person he decides to call is Megan, of course. I love the I love the fact too that he FaceTimed her. If I had Megan Fox's phone number, I'd be like, we're never texting. We're only FaceTiming. I want to see you every time we <laughs> converse together. Okay, so we're a little off track, but what are your thoughts on Megan, Megan, and Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox? I know they're interesting, right? I think that they probably have crazy good sex. I think that they are together, but I definitely don't think that they're going to last. I think I've seen some videos where she seems like she's getting a little bit annoyed with him. So I could see them ending within like a year or two. What do you think? I think that they're duplicating the relationship that Billy Bob Thornton and Pamela Anderson had. And Angelina and, um, oh, actually, sorry. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie, like, yeah. That was their thing to be like super creepy and kind of like, I don't know, like they're like not such, I don't want to say satanic for the tools. That's like, they're drinking each other's blood and shit. Like whatever that is, yes. I feel like that's what they're doing. That's exactly what Angelina Jolie used to do. It, I don't know. I just, he really freaks me out. Like those videos of him and like a couple years ago saying, I don't care if Kendall Jenner is not even 18. If she was naked on my bed, you know what I would do with her. Like he's yeah. just a, a creep and. And then trying to get uh, like PR by being like, oh, like we drink each other's blood. Why has no couple ever been like, let's get PR by donating a lot. Instead, it's like, no, the blood, the blood and the sex and the rituals. It's like, I don't know, maybe maybe you want to stand out by like going to soup kitchens. Maybe that could be your thing. And like it never is. (laughs) Exactly. And I think her star power has never been as high as it is now. I mean, she was definitely an it girl like way back in the day, but yeah. the two of them together have never been more relevant. Sorry, well, a little bit of a side note, but. Well, I mean, she's associated with him. And I also have my own personal theory. I, I'm doing blinds later on Megan Fox and Michael Bay. And allegedly Michael Bay was kind of forcing Megan Fox to sleep with him during Transformers. And I have my own little theory that she started dating Shia LaBeouf because they were dating during Transformers. And I almost think she was like, I need a getaway car. If I'm dating the star of the show, then you have to keep your hands off of me. And Shia is almost like a little bit of a protector. That's This is completely alleged. It's just like me fucking speaking out of my ass. But I could see it happening. That's actually really fascinating. I mean, I think it's not as uncommon as we think. I mean, we've seen it with the Harvey Weinstein of it all, of people needing to feel like they need to sleep for roles. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, she kind of came out of nowhere, unless, you know, Holiday in the Sun is just an everything of the sort movie with Mary Kate and Ashley. Mm-hmm. And she was in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen with Lindsay Lohan. So I guess like she was in a, a couple of movies, but, but she not kind like of a blockbuster, you know, big no. film like Transformers. Yeah. Right. So I that actually doesn't seem too far fetched knowing how the casting couch works, how Hollywood works. That's not too far off. 
Yeah. Okay, we'll do a couple more Mia Goth ones with Shia. We have one that says, apparently the unprecedented amount of security at the after party of the premiere of this one named movie is because one of the co-stars had received death threats from her now actor ex. He is definitely not the most stable person in the world. Imagine that. Imagine the father of your child is someone where you've previously had to hire security to protect yourself from. Like, you just have to feel so bad for someone. I'm I'm trying to think, are there any other celebrity couples, like what other celebrity couples can we name where like there's restraining orders involved? Can we think? I, I can't, I'm trying to think. Well, I also wonder how many restraining orders exist that the public doesn't know about. You know what I mean? Like secret restraining orders. Would we have to know though? Because they're public, they're public record from like the government, I mean the county or whatever you're, you're filing from. Are they? Oh my God. I, I'm getting flashbacks to one episode I did where we were talking about restraining orders i just forget who it was no i yeah, feel like I, I, does I, the public know about restraining orders or would that be like a little bit invasive i i'm thinking about like the colton underwood of it all when he put a tr- gps tracking device on cassie's car yes. and i remember on reddit reddit was blowing up because obviously like reddit sleuths got a hold of the restraining order um file that cassie had filed Oh, dude, those Reddit sleuths could dig up fucking anything. I'm like, how haven't they been able to take down Q from QAnon? They could find, like, anyone in, like, 24 hours together. Honestly, Reddit is where I get all my information. Like, it is – you – they have the best – like, everyone knows everything on that thread. Like, you pick some kind of niche subject and there will be a subject. Isn't it crazy? On it. It's crazy. I love it. Okay, so maybe – so I th- and I think she doesn't have a restraining order against him, but she does have security allegedly that she's hired and things like that. Now, a lot of the blinds with Shia LaBeouf and FKA Twigs are really interesting to me because they all kind of go around the lawsuit that she did. So basically, we have one saying, AKA Sticks is being heavily pressured to take a settlement deal and then say nice things about the A-list actor. She won't do that, um, which I think is fantastic. Like, yeah, and then say nice things too about someone abused you. Like, Jesus Christ, absolutely not. Okay, this is also interesting too. It says, this A, A-list, mostly movie actor who started off as acting as a tween is trying to get the media to print a couple hit pieces against his former born accuser and her sex life. And I will say I have seen some news articles about FKA Twigs painting her in like this kind of like, you know, sexual drug using light. And it's just like, how fucked up do you have to be if you're going to abuse someone and then be like, oh, now let's try to make, let's try to spin it. Like you can't spin that. That's just so fucked up. That is, that is vile. Yeah. It's without even, okay, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, but I forgot what podcast I was listening to. Sometimes when I'll talk about things, I'm like, I hope I'm not like copying what someone else has said, but sometimes things sit in your brain and then you kind of like divulge them after the fact. Oh, but yeah, that, regardless. yeah, that's life. Right. I'm like, I heard something. It's not my own like thought, but essentially like, isn't it interesting how the media will portray like black women versus white women, not to get into like too much like race, like all this stuff. But like, for example, there was a theory about like how Beyonce's team wanted to portray her or try to push the virgin thing just as much as I tried to with Britney. Mm. But you don't remember that, right? Like we all remember the way that Britney's team was like, she's a virgin. She's this perfect little girl from Kentwood, Louisiana mm. versus Beyonce. Like you don't think about Beyonce as a virgin. And it's kind of like the way that they can, it's easier to like over-sexualize these like black women than it is to like over-sexualize 
a white. I'm not putting this like maybe in the best way, but it's no, like, no, I, I think that completely happens. The idea with the purity ring too. And it's like these good, like Christian, like American homegrown Disney girls doing blah, blah, blah. And then like, meanwhile, it's like, and then you have like a black woman as like a rapper who is being like way too sexual on stage. And it's just like, what? Like it doesn't even make, and first of all, of course, like men are completely uh, removed from this, right? Because it's always, I even think too, when like Ben Shapiro had his complete panic attack over Cardi B's WAP, right? Wet, wet ass pussy. And he was like, wet ass P word. Like how are they showing this to the, to the children or whatever he said in that like Republican nasally voice of his, he gets so triggered over stuff. And it's like, first of all, a, I feel like men have been. Have you ever listened to any of the Ying Yang Twins songs? Like, there, some of the lyrics in there are like so graphic. And then so also, graphic. there's been like white women singing about this since forever. But Ben Shapiro and other people like that aren't going to be like, oh my God, hide your children um, in the way they are with like Cardi B or any other black woman who are singing things like this or performing things like that, which is just like, yeah, it's just, that's a, that's, a, that's a good example of like talking about the, the wet ass pussy comment about like, yeah, when is that the first time a uh, suggestive graphic lyric has come out? And the, the one relevant fact I can think about is like, even in euphoria, the way that like Sydney Sweeney is like an absolute like gem. She's skyrocketing to so much fame. She's definitely like our it girl of the moment. And it's interesting to see the way that she, photographs for like press and it's very sexual like um I I don't know it's 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 really sexual and it kind of it's I feel like it's taking away a little bit from well I guess this is kind of like going against my point actually because they kind of over sexualize her but they don't really sexualize Zendaya that much or do they I feel like Zendaya doesn't get sexualized they that do, often. but you know what I've heard about Zendaya and granted this is all like on the internet and like everybody's fucked up on the internet I've heard the weirdest shit about Zendaya on Euphoria where they're like well Sydney sh- uh, Sweeney like showed her boobs what like Zendaya is like too good to show her boobs and I'm like what kind of fucked up world is this it's like as a woman like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and you're damned if you just show a nipple you know what I mean like there's no way to win and I have heard that rhetoric where people are like wow Zendaya thinks she's like better than everyone so she's not getting nude and it's like uh like you she is not in like you are not entitled to see her naked like that's so fucked up it's yes that that's the the point I meant with like yeah when she was in that scene when they go into that to Lori's house and they all had it like they're like stripped down and then mm-hmm. they're like Zendaya didn't even show not even like a boob she showed absolutely <laughs> nothing they get so fucked up that there hasn't been a scene where this like woman gets raped like to show her ca- other other people have too I'm like you guys need to calm down and figure out like why you're getting enraged about not seeing certain bits of content like it's it's really fucked up don't you always We're wonder on the same yeah, I know. And I'm like, who are the people behind? Like, I want to see your face. I want to know where you live. Like, I, Jesus Christ, the things that you see online are insane. Oh, this was one interesting about Shia LaBeouf. So after the FKA Twigs abuse allegations were out, Shia LaBeouf's lawyer said that he was seeking long-term inpatient treatment. And there were a couple different blinds saying, don't believe the hype. The serial abuser, who is also an A-minus list actor, is not seeking any kind of inpatient help at all. Um which I don't know. I just kind of feel like if you were seeking inpatient help, I would definitely give it like a two star review because like the facilities that Shia LaBeouf is going to, if he keeps, if he keeps getting arrested, being abusive, being violent, I just wonder if like I hope he's not going back to the same place time and time again. Right. It it's with celebrities. I feel like they're always leaving early. Like I think of like Scott Disick too. It's like why are you guys always leaving early? Like finish out the treatment plan, do the whole treatment program. Yeah. See it through. Yeah. 
Especially because I think once you get to the end and the first thought that came to my mind when you were saying that, I was like, oh, but what if they can't afford it? Or what if they have like a family to provide for? But a lot of these people, Shia LaBeouf, Scott Disick, I mean, who knows how celebrities spend their money, but I would just think that you would absolutely be able to spend like a month or two focusing on your recovery and you'd be able to afford that. What's another like 50 grand? right? For two months. To them, it's nothing. Shia LaBeouf in just the year 2014, I think, he brought in a billion dollars of revenue. Now, that's not saying that's what he himself like made, but that's what he was doing for the movie. So, I mean, I would think that he was compensated pretty well. Um, who knows? Who knows? And he's been acting forever too. Okay. I mean, hopefully he's good with his money. Yeah, right. Disney, I mean, who knows? Although, you know what? I was listening to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club Girls, and they were saying that Josh, Josh Peck on um, Drake and Josh, like, gets no royalties. Yes. that is, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I listened to that episode, episode as well, because I think Josh Peck was saying people think because I was a child actor that I, like, sit in this, like, pool of money when, in fact, it's like I don't get anything from Drake and Josh still airing on Nickelodeon. Like, I see zero percent of that. Right. Which is crazy. I would, well, yeah. I'm, I know that Jody Sweeten, because I went this other celebrity memoir book club episode where they did uh, Jody Sweeten's life, who was Stephanie Tanner on Full House. She would talk about how she still received money from Full House reruns, which is oh, how she was able to, like, that's nice. still, yeah, like pick. So I, I'm curious, like, what grants a, a child actor like the ability to still obtain royalties from like a show. I know. It, it must just be like some sort of, um, I don't know, like who's looking out for you when you sign that first contract, which I will say too, even in the world of podcasting, like say whatever you want about call her daddy. But I will say like, goddamn, thank you, Alex Cooper. Like I know what an IP is, you know, like I can't imagine how many podcasters are now more successful because of what she was saying about like, look at your contract, keep your IP, things like that. Right. I know. And it's like Sophia having to rebuild from the ground up without having that IP. It's like her successes doesn't even, it doesn't even hold like any weight against Alex's, which is obscene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're Team <laughs> Sophia over here. Team Sophia. Absolutely. All right. Let's do the very last blind. Um, and this is about, this is interesting. You know how Olivia Wilde is coming out with that movie, Don't Worry, Darling, with Harry Styles and Florence. I always go Florence Puh, Florence Pugh. And this was interesting. Allegedly, Shia LaBeouf was supposed to be the main actor. And it says it wasn't scheduling conflicts that forced this A, A minus list, mostly movie actor from a soon to be filmed movie directed by actress director. So basically, it wasn't scheduling conflicts that took him off for it. It was the actor's actions that got him fired. And I do think, I know everyone's so fucking far a Perry Styles asshole that the minute he looks in a woman's direction, they're like, I talk about cancel culture. I hate this. I've seen so many TikToks from these deranged young fans where they're like, here's why Olivia Wilde is problematic. And I'm like, if you're looking for reasons to hate someone that you, because they're dating someone that you don't even know, like you have a problem and like you need to talk to someone about it. Anyway. Are they saying Olivia Wilde's canceled because she's so much older than him? What's the reasoning behind these I Gen Zers? I think they dug up some like tweets or whatever, or they're like, she wore the same outfit as like one of his French girlfriends. So she's trying to like single white female her. And she's like, basically she hasn't done, not that I've heard of, let me know if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard of Olivia Wilde doing anything egregious. And people are like, she's actually the worst person ever. But no, I, I actually think. quite like her. I really like her. I find her to be very genuine and authentic. And I don't think she's ever tried to put off something. Like she's managed to stay relevant for such a long time. Like remember when she was on the OC? When she God, played Marissa's yes. love interest? 
so iconic. Um, I mean, she's maintained relevancy ever since then. Like, and she, and she's not annoying either. Like she's not in your face. She doesn't do like, like, I mean, I was going to say she doesn't do annoying PR shoots, but then at the same time, are her and Harry really real? Like, I, know, I don't know if I even buy, I don't know if I really buy that, but that aside, I find her to be lovely and she doesn't bother me. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think she's fucking smart and with it. That's just the vibe I get from her. Who knows if they're PR? I w- I would say at the very least they got to be hamming it up for the cameras, which you'd have to be fucking stupid not to. You want to promote that movie. Um and I will say I do see her as the type of woman to say, "Hey, Shia, you're not on my project because of XYZ," which you would have to say Thank God, yes, because like we know men like Harvey Weinstein are going to say you can do literally whatever to women and you'll still be in my movie. And that's what I really like about having more female directors in this industry is because I think they would be ones to say, actually, no, Shia LaBeouf, I'm going to replace you with someone else. Like this has a consequence. So I would assume that's the reason. Yeah. Is that like because I thought that was actually like a legit it wasn't even a blind. I thought that was legit news that she kicked him out of the movie. Or is that is that a blind? Has it not been confirmed? I'll have to, well, I think it says it wasn't scheduling conflicts. So I think maybe Shia came out saying scheduling conflicts have made, and then the blind came out saying, no, it was Olivia's decision. And then maybe she came out afterwards confirming that. But I think the blind was just saying, don't believe what Shia is saying. Yeah. I, I feel like she's the type of gal that will stand on the right side of history, meaning she won't put a problematic person like Ansel Elgort or Shia LaBeouf in any more of her films. Yeah, which would be interesting. And it is funny, too. I, I remember Taylor Swift got a lot of shit for putting Miles Teller in um, her I Bet You Think About Me music video, which I always wondered, too. People were like, oh, she did that because he looks like Josh Kushner. Um, and I was like, yeah, he does kind of look like him. Because otherwise, it would be like, what the fuck is the reason to put that guy in your music video with all of these um, accusations against him? Yeah, and, like, the COVID of it all, when people were alleging that he never got his vaccine, but then he came out later saying, like, everyone calm down, I I am vaccinated. Yeah. I I actually, like, really like Miles Teller, but I feel like he's kind of been a little bit problematic over the past year. I always felt like he was kind of an underdog. Like, he wasn't the hot, like, Zac Efron, yeah. but he kind of was, like, this goofy, I think he's handsome How guy. good was he in Whiplash, too? I haven't seen that. Do I need to watch? I'm obsessed oh, with him. Good. Wait, hold on. Let me double check that. He is the one that I'm thinking of. And he's he's also in that movie with Shailene Woodley called um Yeah, Whiplash. Uh, shoot, what is it called? Yes, Miles Teller. I think I also think too he's a good actor. And it is a shame when people are like, Can you separate the art from the artist and things like that? It like why does it always have to be the fucked up ones that are so talented? I, I'm obsessed with him. I like, I, again, I, he had those shady like stories about him not paying his wedding planner. And then the wedding planner got someone to beat him up in like ha- in a, a Hawaii like, hotel bathroom. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So there was allegations that, well, no, a report came out that Miles Teller was assaulted in a bathroom in Hawaii uh-huh. where him and his wife were spending, I think their honeymoon or they were just on vacation. Regardless, he was in a bathroom, he got beat up and everyone was saying, oh, oh, it was actually, he didn't end up paying their wedding planner for him and Kelly Teller's wedding. And this wedding planner hired someone to like beat the shit out of Miles Teller. So <laughs> Kelly Teller, because he doesn't have an Instagram. So Kelly Kelly Teller came out on Instagram story and was like, these fabrications about like us not paying our wedding planner are false. Like someone cornered Miles in a bathroom and he definitely got beat up. But like, as to the reason why he got beat up is still very unclear. Oh yeah, it's a story. That it's not funny, but the idea of like your wedding planner hiring someone to beat the shit out of you 
in a Hawaiian bathroom is just like, it's almost like the, you know how a Mad Lib sentence is like you insert one word. It's almost, you did like a slot machine for like four different words in that sentence. And it's like, uh, your dentist hired someone to tickle your balls at an Arby's restaurant. You're like, what? <laughs> and it's like funny. Cause you could imagine it's probably like the four seasons in Maui, like where they filmed white Lotus. And it's like the nicest fucking bathroom and Miles Teller was getting the shit beat out of him. Like that's what I'm envisioning. Yeah. Like in order to mask the sounds of him screaming, they're using like Dyson vacuums and like white noise machines. They're like crank the eucalyptus setting to high. So nobody hears us do this. I know. I, I know. I, I love Miles Teller though. Like he was also in this movie with, um, Zac Efron and Michael B. Jordan, which is highly underrated. It's called mm. that awkward moment. It came out, came out in like 2015. And that's when I fell in love with him. I'm like, this guy's a genius. And then he was in this movie with Jonah Hill called War Dogs. Oh my God. If you I've have not good seen things it, about that, but I haven't seen it. It is so good. They, I just noticed it's on Netflix, but I watched him one night, like, and it doesn't look like something I would watch. Like I just typically like, I don't know, not movies like that, but it's fabulous. And he's just, he's an, a good underrated actor. That's not like the Zac Efron, but deserves to be, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm, maybe I'll watch it tonight then. Okay. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, final thoughts on Shia LaBeouf. Do you like him? Do you think he's irredeemable? Are you going to be watching this Italian movie where he's some sort of saint? So I actually haven't watched a lot of his movies. Like, He's he's made so many films, I feel like, and I feel like I've only watched, like, the big ones. Mm-hmm. I think I'll always have – I'm just a nostalgic girl at heart, so I think I'll always have a little bit of, like, love for him. But I think his behaviors are – I don't know if that's just, like, such a um, – that statement is cannot be true. Can both things exist at once? Can I still, like, love him a little bit for my nostalgia, like – 12 year old self, but also still hate him for the abuse that he's inflicted upon all these women. Like, yeah. And I think you can love parts of him and hate other parts of him. And, you know, not every single person is perfect, but I like what Sia said too, when she was like, you know what, just like, if you're a woman and you love yourself, stay far away from him. And I just think it's one of those things where you can talk about him and how talented he is, but I think you would, at least for me, I can talk about how talented he is, he is, but then I also have to include a sentence speaking about how horrible he is to women. And that's what really pisses – like I hate when guys talk about how much they love Elon Musk. And it's like, yes, you can say that you like his accomplishments at SpaceX, but then in the same sentence you should also include, you know, the things that he's done wrong just so people get the full picture. Right, right. I want to – it's like an asterisk. Like I like him, asterisk, but like fuck him for all the crazy fucked up shit he's done. But I think if the one takeaway from this episode is to watch uh, Honey Boy because I think it portrays – I mean what I assume to be a quite an accurate portrayal of how he really grew up and like the trauma that was inflicted to him by his by his father. Because I think it really – I mean then you can kind of see like his chemistry with FKA Twigs because that's how they met and that's how they developed this relationship was on the set of that film. Yeah. How, how was she in that film? She was really good. I mean, it's it's heart-wrenching, honestly, to just watch the whole thing because – and she's done, he's done interviews, too, after the movie was, like, after it came out. And he has expressed, like, how much love he has for his father. And, like, it's almost this, like, Stockholm Syndrome thing. You know, you have some mm-hmm. kids that grew up with abusive parents and, like, have chosen to step away. I think Shy is more of, like, part of the camp where he still has that undying, like, vying for attention from his father. Yeah. Um, so even though he portrays like a sinister, sadistic man on screen, it's like you could still tell he like very much like wants that validation from from his father at the same time. Dude, there's something about a 
relationship between a man and his father that is just like, you know what I mean? Like that that's your original role model. It's got to be so hard to be like, no, there was like nothing redeemable about him. So right. All right. Well, I'm going to add that movie to my list. And um, can you tell us about like what any future podcast episodes you have coming up or anything like that? Ooh, a nice plug. Sure. Well, I don't have that many episodes in the catalog, but I do cover, let's see, I've covered Mary-Kate and Ashley. You know, people sleep on that episode because I feel (laughs) like Mary-Kate and Ashley aren't as relevant to anyone else as they were to me. Or maybe it's just because they're not at all like on, you don't see them anywhere except in like random paparazzi photos when they're in New York City smoking cigarettes. But Mm -hmm. definitely I would say if you were to listen to any episode of mine, listen to the American National one because I'm like the most passionate about those two and I could honestly do an entire podcast on just them. Uh, But I have podcast episodes on them, Hilary Duff, Laguna Beach, Selena Gomez. I'm doing a Zac Efron episode tomorrow. So by the time this... um, is published. It'll have been live. So take a listen to that. Um, the call yeah. her daddy episode you did. I love that one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That one's like the, I feel like that one's definitely the most listened to. I think it speaks to like how fascinated people are. Like it's most listened to by far by like six X than any of my other episodes. And I think it just speaks to like how fascinated people are with like the dynamic. Yeah. Two hot girls, a cat fight and references to sex. It's like, sign me the fuck up. I will be there with bells on. Right. And also like mix in Dave Portnoy and like Barstool Sports. And you've yeah. got like just a fascinating story, which by the way, have you heard about the drama with Rhea from Chicks in the Office? I heard something, right? Like she was dating someone at Barstool, but then she cheated on him with someone else at Barstool. Yeah, kind of like she was dating this guy, Hank, who's been at Barcelona forever, who has a really large following and they broke up like months ago, but she was secretly dating someone else from Barcelona and they kept it under wraps for months, like I guess since October, but someone posted something on Dumois. They're like, oh, spotted Rhea from Chicks in the Office with this guy. I think his name is Marty and Dumois posted it and it got on Reddit. And now Barcelona, especially Dave Portnoy, has like been going ham on his Twitter, like completely like slut shaming Rhea and saying like Marty's career is over. It's like, it almost feels like it's the Sophia and Alex thing happening all over again, but between like two guys at the office, plus this girl, it's like this love triangle that Dave Porter thinks he can just like get right into. And it's, it's messy. But it's if, entertaining. Yeah, if there's like three things Dave Portnoy loves in life, it's probably eating pizza, fucking girls who are 18 that he found on Instagram, and then like very publicly harassing and shaming women that he has known um, but isn't able to fuck himself. So he just loves to like torch them online. I just yep. like honestly like fuck you, Dave Pornoy. He's just uh, – he's just like uh, – and I hated how he handled his sexual um, – uh, Accusations, insider allegations. Yep. Because, like, yeah, granted, let's say, granted, technically, you know, you had sex with people that was legal and, like, they, you know, you could get them on a technicality of whether or not they uh, consented. All of that aside, which I'm just going to say, like, listening to those girls' stories, I completely 100% believe them. All of that aside, you have to be so fucked in the head to be like, oh, I'm going to lead this entire campaign about, like, why it was wrong and, like, I should be able to do this behavior. It's like, just because a behavior is legal technically doesn't mean that it's good role model behavior. That would be like if I cyber bullied the fuck out of someone and then I went on a campaign being like, it's legal for me to like call someone like a fat pig that like deserves to like go into the road because of free speech. Like, yeah, it's like legal, but it's not role model behavior. So maybe like shut up and learn a lesson from it, you know? God. Preach. Preach it. 
Okay. Well, um, on that on that note, thank you. On that note, thank you so so much for coming on and talking, Shia LaBeouf. And I hope everybody checks out your episode on him because the way that you covered his childhood and everything, I just it, it was fascinating. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure getting to talk with you. And thank you so much for having me on. All right. Until next time. All right. Huge, huge thank you for listening. Huge thank you to Christy, aka X Knows All. Love, love, love the deep dives that she does on her podcast. I think I mentioned it uh, when I was speaking with her, but the deep dive she did on Call Her Daddy, I'm just like, I am a sucker for Call Her Daddy drama. Before we wrap things up today, I just did want to shout out a couple of, you know what I mean, those five-star reviews that I love so much. These ones really actually made my day. Okay, somebody somebody with the username, literally all the names are taken. One has the title that says, okay, I like it, Picasso. And someone says, Shannon, just learned your real name. Hello. Hi. I was born to host. She brings a nuanced take on celebrity culture that's super entertaining to listen to. Keep doing what you're doing. Also super happy you're back on TikTok. Thank God my For You page was getting terrible. Did you guys see how TikTok like completely updated the app? I Here's the thing. like We all say that we don't like when an app is updated, but eventually we come around. You know what I mean? I just think those UX designers are like being paid. One day I want to do an episode all about how like social media and being online kind of rots our brain. But I've been reading these books about it. And let's just say like, we hate the app update when it comes out. But my God, like you get used to it so quickly because they have it down to such a science. And you know, what's kind of creepy and fun to do is if you go into Google Images and you look at the version of Instagram that we used like five years ago or how Facebook looked back in the day and you look at it now, you're like, oh my God, even the old iPhone buttons, you're like, there's no way I ever use that. It's so clunky. So it is interesting, but I agree with you. Sometimes the for you page is trash. All right. We have another review here saying, I could listen to Shannon talk about anything. It's such a lunch break relief to get away from formal coworkers and just gossip with a friend. I hear you. Although I will say one of my favorite things to do with my old coworker, Jenny, was we would go into a booth during lunchtime and we would go on crazy days and nights and like she would take it from the back and I would take it from the front and we would just fill each other in on all the stuff that we got. It's just there's nothing like going through a celebrity gossip with a coworker. All right. Huge, huge thank you for listening to the episode this week. Thank you so much, guys. And of course, fluentlyforward.substack.com if you want to sign up for the newsletter. We're probably going to cover, I think that I want to cover a little bit more in this Substack about Mia Goth, the woman who has a child with Shia LaBeouf, which Christy and I were like, oh my God, I can't believe this. It really, something during COVID, right? Like a lot of celebrities had babies and it kind of flew underneath the radar because we weren't seeing them out and about. So that's probably what we're going to cover on the newsletter. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you guys later. Bye.